Rock and roll has the Beatles. Literature has Steinbeck. Cooking has the Crying Chef. I've had six meals with the Crying Chef. They were the best experiences of my life and I've never stopped writing about them. They'll assign me, you know, we want you to write about Momofuku. I'm gonna write about the Crying Chef. They say, Lenny, you're on assignment and you need to do your job. And I say, I am doing my job. I'm telling the people about the Crying Chef. I would say what motivates me is just to know that everyone has their own emotional experience with me when they are at my Cafe 203 restaurant. Cafe 203, it, it, it's, a, it's a restaurant, it is in her apartment. Kind of, it, it feels like you're home. It, it feels like you are at home with a grieving friend. We are recording to you from Seattle, Washington, South of Union, Studio 212, part of the Soundcasting Network. This is going to be episode 127 of uh, Grill Cook. How much longer on that from scratch risotto, sir? At least 45 minutes. 45 we're minutes. Totally Thank we're you. I can't help it. Thank you. Don't burn it this time. I'm going to be one of the hosts of this podcast. My name is Robert Stills. Here with me, per usual... Sir, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, Merrick. Hi. I talk here. Bad bunny, bad bunny, bad bunny, bad He's working on his uh, bad bunny impression. <laughs> you got one, Keith? You got a bad bunny impression? I do not. Keith Boogie. Hey. In the house. There he is. The Queefster. Hey. Uh, Prince of Parmesan. Queefster Donis. Popper of Popperdell. <laughs> Risotto Kid. How's it going, Keith? It's going well, man. Experimenting with hairstyles these days? Uh, not combing it. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I was. I was mentioning. I went to uh, I went to a funeral yesterday, and I looked kind of nice when I came in here to the studio yesterday, right? Well, I mean, look, it was the nicest I've seen you dressed up. Mm. Not true. Uh, no, very true. Seen me in a suit before, haven't you? Yeah, no, but it was the clown suit when you had the clown makeup on. So, <laughs> you know, like as oh, my far as fucking looking, clown here to abuse you. <laughs> weird funeral? Did you go to your clown costume? <laughs> hey, I have a I have a name for your haircut. Oh great! The James Comey. The James Comey. <laughs> but yeah, I did. I, I I did my hair yesterday, and then I woke up this morning. And it looks similar to uh, Keith's hair. Yeah, no, this was just laziness. It looks good though. I'll yeah, give you that. Yeah. yeah, it does. Eric, your hair always always looking dope. Fabulous. You know what I'm saying. Thank you. I've been looking at some of your older pictures. Uh, we'll get into that in a second. Uh, the, they keep on writing articles about you or whatever, but accompanied with them sometimes is some older pictures of you. Yeah, that's always funny. You know? I had some guests actually. It's funny you say that. I had some guests that came. Came in uh, for the 20 course tasting and I was talking to him and they were like, okay, cool. And this was like halfway through the menu and I'm like, Hey, and so the, the, the guy asks, he goes, Hey, so what's your name? And I'm like, Eric. And he's like, Oh, you're Eric. And I'm like, yeah, I'm Eric. I'm, been, I'm the Eric. Yeah, I'm me. I'm that guy. And it's my thing. It's me. It's, this is I'm here. And he's like, oh, his demeanor completely changed because halfway through he was yeah. kind of like, who the fuck's this guy? Why is he at my table? Why is, dropping he, off? Why is, why is yeah, he talking to me? Right. Or why does he seem so familiar? And you know, right. kind of, sort of. And then it was finally like, hey, here's the big reveal. I, and I hope he's like really disappointed. <laughs> One could only hope. <laughs> no, but yeah. then after that he was like cool as shit, and he's like inviting me to his house to like do private dinner parties. 
and I'm like, God, I should tell, I should have told you I was Eric earlier. And he's like, what happened with the hair? And I was like, I don't know. I just didn't want to cut it anymore. Do you now when you're out and you're talking to people and you're meeting people, I mean, mm-hmm. this happens to me sometimes. I yeah. don't really think I act too. I try to treat everybody the same yeah. at all times. I don't, cause you never know who you're going to run into, but I've had conversations with people at bars or at restaurants. And then all of a sudden you find out there's somebody or yeah. some, you know, or, or, or you're interested in what they do. My demeanor never changes, but I, you know, I get treated like some people I've been treated like that even with this stupid ass podcast. Yeah. People I don't, I don't like, know. Oh shit. Oh, I had a guest that came in this week that he was like, <laughs> I listened to the podcast and I came in. I'm like, that's fucking amazing. Yeah. He's super cool. Um, he wants to do a pop-up soon. So he's, he's doing a uh, Mexican hot sauces and salsas. Ew. So you kind of wanted to get it off the ground. And I was like, fuck, I'm more than happy to help you with that. Mm. You know? Yeah. Get you in here and let's do it. Um, but yeah, no, I, there's no difference between me at work and not at work. Yeah. I mean, I just say there's sometimes like at work where I'm fucking like super intense and I get angry or something about something, but that happens everywhere. I'm angry like all the time. I'm, I'm trying. Meditation's been helping. Yeah. I, that doesn't help. But today, I, like, today I was walking down the street and I just had anger. Yeah. And I was like, I just want to punch somebody it's, for well, no I reason. Would, I don't want to punch anybody. I, I do. You know, want to shiv them oh. just a tiny bit. <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. Down the stairs. Just a little script. Yeah. <laughs> a little scrape, you know, just a tiny little scrape. I'm, um, try, I'm trying not to. And that, that's when I was working in the kitchens a lot. You know, I tried, I would have like daydreams about like smacking people with pans. Yeah. I think, you know, we, we did this thing last, this last weekend, um, where we did 8 million hour days, 8 million hours. Yeah. I mean, we went in at like 7am on Saturday or on Saturday and left it. No, on Friday and then left at like 2 a.m. and then came back at 7 in the morning to like cook breakfast and shit for people that stayed the night at the restaurant. I mean, that was intense, you know, yeah. and I was like super tired where I'm like, no. But see, you're first in, first out. I mean, first in, last out, right? Yeah. So, I, mean, I mean, not first in. No, no, no. Sometimes I'm not first in, but yeah. I'm, I'm nine times out of 10 last out because we do brunch on the weekend. So that makes it kind of hard. And plus we're open at 7 a.m. during the week. So that makes it also really hard, too. We're going to get into hours anyway, of operations on oras, this episode. Horas con. Horas con qui. I don't know what I just said. I don't, you didn't. You, said you sure hours, I didn't say you, anything? Yeah, you sort of. But it's okay. We won't. It's all right. Mm. Okay. So before we get into hours of operation and restaurants and timing, we'll talk a little yeah. bit about timing today. We're going to get it, just hover over it a little bit. We're not going to go too in-depth with around. it. Because usually when Eric comes in here, we sit around with our producer, Keith, and we chat about you know what we want to talk about on the show this week and then sometimes it brings up some stories and then we want to discuss it on air but before we get into all that i wanted to talk about uh recently restaurant nello in manhattan's upper east side has officially stopped seating women one tops at their bar and I don't necessarily know if this, I mean, I don't know if I, if this is a, a good thing or a bad thing. I'm kind of neutral about it. I, I do think it is, it's very sexist because uh, they're still seating uh, one top men, businessmen, hotel guests uh, at the bar. So, but there's a reason for there's it. There's a right? reason I'm for an, it. They're I'm going to get yeah, into I was it. I say, like, you kind of, it's not think, just like, hey, <laughs> fuck women. I'm going to get Jesus into it. Christ. If anything, that would be like in the fucking South or something or some GOP conference. Oh, or, like the in. bar manager's. Just like I, I don't like I don't like women single women. That's terrible. You know, I don't like single women. I, two two. Yes, I'm okay with that. But he's not, like he plays a song too. It's like a parody. Of all the single <laughs> ladies. It's like no to single ladies. No yeah. to sing- no. Okay. Um, so the Daily Meal wrote a article uh, based on the woman's name is. 
by the name of Clementine Crawford, and she wrote an article for Drugstore Culture, and the name of the article is The Night I Was Mistaken for a Call Girl. Now, she is a uh, writer, and she lives in London, and she's been going to the same hotel in New York um, and eating um, at Nello for over 10 years, she says. And she had walked into Nello, the Manhattan restaurant, which is down the street from her, her hotel, and she asked for one at the bar, and they said, um, sorry, they're no longer seating one tops at the bar. So they immediately placed her in the back by the restrooms, kind of by the kitchen, which I don't know. Some people think that's a bad seat. I necessarily don't think that's a bad seat. Bathrooms, uh, but by the kitchen, I like sitting by the kitchen. I love watching meltdowns in the kitchen. I love watching, uh, you know, who's back there, who's cooking my food. But she did not like that very much. One of the reasons she did not like that very much was because she noticed that there was a bunch of uh, one tops at the bar, but they were all male. And so she had asked to speak with one of the management people that directors of operation at the restaurant and they had said that they're trying to cut down on call girls but what's the, at I the don't, bar. but why are they i don't understand like the, the thing for me is like it's business that's coming to your restaurant they're paying they're doing their thing why the fuck does it matter who's sitting there and why is it okay for the guys to sit there by themselves but then just automatically assume any single lady that's coming to the bar is a working person well I, there's a bunch you know what I mean? there's a bunch of different factors into this because basically she was like are they mistaking me for a hooker that's what i'm saying and she said i was wearing a, wearing a very nice shirt i mean a very nice skirt and I was wearing a um, you know heels, a trench coat, uh, and she was thinking, you know, is this what a typical hooker looks like? But who's again? This is just such a fucking stupid thing to me to be even like. I think they're missing the point of like what a restaurant or a bar is. If you're going to have a bar that's just open to whomever you want, then that's just going to be the case. Well, it, with any restaurant you don't or, want, we, or bar, right? I it mean, comes; have, it's par for the course. You don't. I mean, well, yeah. And so my question is: Do the hookers really bring down the atmosphere that much? I mean, who knows? I mean, I, I just it just sounds. I think like they're going to really, bring more business in. That's it. Whether it does or doesn't, <laughs> I I think everybody's like they're missing the fucking point of being like a restaurant or a bar. If you're going to be open to people, then you need to be just open to people. Yeah. And if they're there and they're not causing any fucking problems, then what's the problem? But sometimes they do cause problems. But then if it's just some dude who's up there, then he's the one that's trying to elicit business yeah. or something, and that's okay. Well, here's what well, I. That's the fucking weird shit. Man. Here's what I found funny about Maybe it, I'm and just, here's no. Here's what I thought was funny about it is, is I would much rather share a bar top and have a hooker trying to solicit me for sex at a bar than a drunk businessman, a drunk businessman sitting there talking my ear off and saying racist shit yeah, or talking shit about poor people. Sure. I would much rather deal with the the hooker who's trying to earn a living than a man who has too much I money would just and talk shit. I mean, personally, I go to bar and I go sit at a bar and I'm by myself. I don't want to talk to anyone. It, not uh, all the time. That's not all the time. We're different. Yeah. You and I are very different. You talk to anyone and everything. You know everybody. I'm like, everything. I don't want to talk to fucking talk anyone. Talk to inanimate objects. There was this, uh, this, this oil guy back in the early 1900s, whatever he said, and the best number for dinner is two, myself and a damn good head waiter. Yeah. And so that's the thing. It's, it's just very different. I just can't assume. I can't say like. If I had a restaurant and if I had a bar that was open to whoever wanted to come, which we do, you know, during the middle of the week, I'm not going to sit there and be like, hey, why are you here? What's your purpose? You, what the fuck? 
You know, but, as long as they're being f- cool, then who gives a shit? Yeah, I think it should be ba- it should be a person by person. Right. And you can't say, like, oh, this person can't sit here, but we have three single dudes. Who but, are- the, but obviously this Manhattan restaurant's been it's been such a problem that they're trying to address the problem and fix but it. I just think this I is the wrong way to go about it. It totally is. I mean, when, but what I'm also trying to get at is figure out what exactly is the problem. Is it that they're known for being that bar where you can go meet a working person? Is that the thing? Or are they just like, nah, fuck this. Like, I don't want anyone to be part of it. I think every high-end restaurant bar in every city, um, they also, um, this uh, article actually has a list of all the most expensive restaurants that are for prostitution in every state. Okay. Um, I guarantee you that I can walk down the street right here and go get a hooker in one of these expensive hotels down the street. And I was telling Keith this earlier, I was... uh, I was at the Westin. I don't have any problem stating you know, where I was at. We've also discussed that an acquaintance of yours got a handy just down the street. <laughs> it happens. I, you know, see things. My friends, not really too much in, in the industry. And I noticed a hooker sitting at the Westin. So I spoke to my what friend. It, what, it, what tripped you off that that was? Oh, I mean, come the eye contact with just men, uh, her, like the way she sips her martini and looks longingly at the ground. I mean, it's just, it's a thing. So I spoke to my friends and I said, what's up, man? You guys just like, you know, I, I can see, I can spot like two hookers here at the bar. And he's like, and that's what he said. He said, they're paying customers. Mm-hmm. They're not bothering nobody. Yeah, You're going to have that issue with any high-end hotel or whatever. Right. Um, as long as she does, she's not causing a problem. Right. I don't see a problem with them. I go, okay, cool. I didn't. They, she wasn't bothering me. Right. But then what happened is, is I had left and went and do some other things. I come back and she decided, they were like, she has a key card, you know? Yeah. But she started to set up shop. And started like doing her nails and all this stuff. And that's when they'd asked her to leave and they realized that, that she was there I with mean, the previous, she was there with a the client. Sure. He had checked out. She'd had a previous card and she was there trying to pick up dates. Mm. But I honestly believe it, it, with any restaurant or high end bar like that in these cities that are near a hotel, you're going to have a cocaine dealer. And you're yeah, going to have some prostitutes. drugs and all that kind of shit. You can get whatever you want. It's like, well, you, you, you were in fucking Vegas and you have stories of that kind of stuff. Oh, all nonstop. So it's just like a matter of whatever. I, I just, I don't know, man. It's, you can probably go get that kind of shit in a library downtown too. Yeah. And I, I think that, I think that if you are trying to play up to a certain customer t- type, you know, they, your customer type needs to understand that when you're in a metropolitan area, yeah. that that stuff is going to happen. Yeah, it's not the middle of fucking you know, Iowa. Even if it was in the middle of the Iowa, of Iowa, in their I mean, downtown, you know if they're downtown area, sure. they're probably there too. Yeah. I mean, they have truck stops. So, yeah. I mean, that's where you're getting your... Yeah, I just, I don't know. That's just a weird way to go about it. it it's just weird. Yeah. And they're calling someone out and going like, oh no, you guys sit over here. Well, I mean, imagine like how... Three, ba- three dudes just chilling. I mean, how imagine how embarrassing that is. That's fucking insane. Of, of, of your, your, she said she was having a, a glass of wine Dude, and that's... she was having some soup and then it just hit her. And she was like, these they motherfuckers think I'm, yeah, think they, I'm a prostitute. That's what I'm saying. That's the craziest shit about it. There's like no finesse to that whole fucking thing. It's no, no, I know. And they didn't even explain to her why they just were like, Oh, that's they, crazy. Well, you know. See, they could solve the whole problem. If they would just put a sign over the bar that says hookers over here and the regular <laughs> ladies would just know they could go to the bar. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Um, shout out to this lady. I appreciate her writing. Yeah, you know, writing because this has probably happened to many other people. I, I guarantee a, it's probably just happened to some lady that just decided she wanted to dress nice for herself, and then she's like having a night where she's just chilling, feeling good. Go, that's wants to go have a drink. Says fuck it, I'm gonna dress up. You know, fuck everyone. I'm gonna do my own shit. Yeah. 
And then somebody's like, oh, you're a whatever. Yeah. Come, yeah. come yeah. on. Yeah. No, yeah. fuck. Sorry. She's like, nah, man. I was just like, I was feeling good today. Fuck you. That's pretty shitty. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, shit, it happens in Belltown all the time. Yeah. I hang out in Belltown, and we, we know who they are, and they know who they are, and I don't, I don't see a problem I with it. Yeah, I, I'm not going to shame anybody, and I think a, a high-end restaurant like this should should know better. Yeah, they absolutely. Um, That's well, just, that just seems very that, amateur hour. Especially in New York, where like the standard of service is way fucking higher than it is anywhere else, you would think they would just be like, all right, as long as she's not causing a problem, leave her the fuck alone. Yeah, and you'd think also New York, because people in New York see kind of everything all the fucking time, why the fuck would they care anyway? Yeah. I mean, you ride a fucking bus or a train or whatever over there, and you see the craziest shit of all time, and, and you look at nobody flinches no, to any reaction. They're just shit. like, okay. It's fucking New York. It's crazy. Yeah, I, it, it, it had been going on in this restaurant for, you know, previous years, and nobody had ever said anything, but they were under, they had a new owner. Yeah, the, so he wanted attention. And, and he said, uh, you know, she asked about it, and they said uh, that the owner had ordered a crackdown on hookers. The oh, free-range escorts who roam the yeah. Upper East Sides are hunting prey in the establishment. Hunting prey? I would love to see where he's at in, like, a year when he's fucking close. Yeah, well, I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's like what kind of prey is it, like, I mean, like, injured, like, oh, no, don't try to take my money and have sex with me. Oh, God. oh, I don't have any extra money. It's just, you know what? If somebody wants to do that for their profession, great. That's their profession. Let them do their thing. Uh, you know, if they're not hurting anybody in your fucking restaurant and they're cool about shit, what's or the problem? Or if they are Other hurting somebody, at least it's consensual. Right. <laughs> right. No, I mean, yeah, sure. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like if you want to do some, like, moral clause bullshit, don't, honestly, don't have a bar. Well, well also on top of this situation is usually... Uh, escorts, high-end escorts have territories. And they kind of sometimes work hand-in-hand hand with the restaurants. Yeah, I don't. I mean, you look, know? I, I, maybe. I don't know. I don't you don't know, know about I don't, this? I honestly don't. don't I really this? don't, dude. I'm, I'm fucking boring. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, waiters, uh, bartenders get kickbacks, managers, you know, for sending people their way. I know bouncers who personally have made a lot more working the door than they did <laughs> working the door. I, I can attest to that. Uh, I have actually made more money, not from my hourly wage referrals, but by work, but by working the door, <laughs> working the door, yes. working the door. You know what I'm saying? Not necessarily from the owners of the establishment, but from the customers. Exactly. And, and you're providing helps. a service. Okay, it's there. I just yeah, I don't know that world, man. Sorry. Oh. Again, I'm kind of boring when it comes to that. Okay. My apologies. So we're gonna move on. Uh, <laughs> I just want everybody, you know, don't don't judge a book by its cover. Uh, don't shame sex workers. Don't shame uh, people who are just dressed nicely and whatever. Whatever your well, even idea if, of it I is mean, or learn whatever. Learn the definition of fucking customer service yeah. and just fucking a let customer's you know, a customer's a yeah. customer. Yeah. Pain and buying a drink and fucking I, let them drink like, it. Listen, if if I walk into a restaurant, you have no idea what's going through my head. I could have just had a shitty week and all I want to do is come in and sit down and have a drink and a bite to eat and just like a half hour of nobody bitching about nothing. And if you assume that that person is a hooker, you're just ruining their day, and you're not going to get any repeat customers. It, you're not getting anybody coming back because it's like, why? They treat people like shit. Yeah. It also it also happens with people that are underdressed. Here in Seattle, at least, I know that pe they treat people very differently based on oh, what totally. you look like. Totally. And, uh, let, let's, let's not even Which get- Which is kind of hard in Seattle, because let's be honest, most of these motherfuckers don't know how to dress. Well, let's not even get into the whole fact of people that are new from the tech industry who are from uh, foreign countries. Yeah. They and just, they've never had money before like no. this, and they just want to go out and, and they do. 
they and nice. they are treated yeah. like fucking shit. They're treated and like you dog hear shit. and us in the kitchen, yeah. we are privy to fucking hearing front of the house staff talk the most racist, fucking inappropriate shit about customers that they knew nothing about. Right. And a lot of times, unless you're a big dog there and you can run shit, you can. I tell people to shut the fuck up. Like, yeah. don't say that. Shit. You don't know the fuck they are. But maybe not judge a book by its cover and try to treat everybody equally, especially on Martin Luther King Day. Yes. You know what I'm Customer service is king, man. Yeah, Just and you're in the you're in the service industry. You're not in the fucking assuming and being a dickhead industry. So when if people you come into do your, that, join the church. Yeah, but you know, if, if people come into your restaurant, you got to appreciate who they are and what they are, and they're spending money with you. So take take advantage of that. Preach, Eric. Preach. Um, Eric wanted to also touch on the topic of uh, restaurant hours. Yeah, at least here in here in here in Seattle, it's very different. Um, I, I know this was speaking from experience. I, when I worked out in kitchens here in, in Seattle, it seemed very, very short. <laughs> um, I the, like short. The, da- the days here are very short. What, what do you, what do you call short? So when I was working in kitchens as a line cook, your days were anywhere from, you know, six to 10 hours. Um, you know, normal days and you would do your five day week. Um, which was fine. Um, but when I moved to Chicago and I started to investigate, uh, how rest of restaurants worked. Yes. Because that was a thing. Um, and other places that actually had larger metropolitan cities, you start to realize, Hey, we have a second seating at 10, 15, 10, 30, 10, 45. And the idea of that happening here anywhere in Seattle at a restaurant at at like a, a, a sit down full service restaurant is does not happen here. Well, on the other hand, though, we also don't keep those kind of hours just in general. I understand that. We're not a late night we city. We are not. I wish we were. I wish we were so much because there's so much cool stuff. Where even The reason why it's purely selfish, because I would like to have to get off of work and actually have a nice place to go eat at and not just depend on pizza, burgers, or whatever yes, the normal yes. stuff is. So it'd be cool to go to a place that's like, oh, shit, now we're doing our second turn at 1030, even though I wouldn't be off. But that means they would still probably be open until midnight or one, yeah. which is fucking great. You know, if you go to L. LA, it's like nothing cool is open at seven. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, there's really nothing cool going yeah. on at eight. Yeah. It's like all the all the cool. They're shit. just getting going. Yeah, like ten They're o'clock. Just everybody's up. just starting to go yeah. out, you know. And so it's and that's you know seven days a week. So hours of cooks are very different here than pretty much anywhere else. And then you start to slide up the scale of going to like one, two, three star Michelin kitchens or top fifty list restaurants, and then you start to become. That's where we get away from being a line cook mentality. This is my job job. This and is your this life. is my life and career. This, yeah, this is your life. So that's kind of what I'm talking about when I talk about restaurant hours, because I get a lot of people coming to me, whether it's guests or cooks or cooks that work with me or for me or temporarily or look at us doing the pop-up and they look at all the things that we're doing and they're like, how the fuck are you pulling this off? And I'm like, methamphetamines. Absolutely. (laughs) Straight into the arm Uh, from the door guy. (laughs) 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 But um, yeah, no, it's, it's very different. I think there was a, there was a culture of that, that I was used to anyway, because when I was here in Seattle. I was a sous chef. I was working at Blue Acre. And, you know, Kevin is, he's a, he's a hard guy to work for. He's very intense and he demands a lot, but I look at the time with him and everything after him was easy. 
it was crazy because he set me up that way. And he was like, the day you work somewhere else, you'll understand what I'm talking about. It was all I'm downhill? Like, no, it was just like, that guy worked me like crazy yeah. on purpose. And he was like, you're going to be good, so I'm going to push you to be even better than you think you can be. And I'm like, holy shit, I just got like chefed for real. You don't <laughs> see that. Like, you don't see somebody taking you and giving you all the things like that. Well, and I had that happen. It was fortunate. I, I know, but the, the, nowadays it's kitten paws. You know, it's, it's you, you, you know, they say you make a good point about like, you know, it's not a there's not a chef shortage. It's you don't know how to make a chef. Absolutely. You know, but at the same time, there are executives or kitchen, uh, heads of kitchen who don't necessarily know how to create a chef. They don't have the bodies. And so they don't want to work somebody that hard because they're afraid that they'll lose Absolutely. a staff member. I, I, I also, I just think that, you know, when you want to get into this industry, you got to really think about those years that you're actually able to move around physically and you need to take advantage of those times because nobody likes a 35 year old line cook. Nobody likes no, a 45 year old line cook. And you know, that has nothing to do with who you are as a person. That's a physically demanding thing that starts to happen when things start to hurt or lifestyle things that happen when you start to have kids or you have kids and you don't see them very often and you need to be like, okay, cool. Now you need to go to work at 2 PM and you're getting home at 10 or 11 PM. Yeah. That's a typical like shift here in Seattle. Yeah. But in these other bigger restaurants, meaning, and I say bigger, like the bigger accolade restaurants, you know, a, a, it's a, usually an 11 a.m. to a 3 a.m. day, 3 or 4 a.m. And yeah. so that takes away your whole life right there in, in, a, in a very quick, short amount of time. I don't, I don't mind, I, I honestly don't mind those hours at all, those long hours, if I'm on a four day work week. Yeah. And that's not a thing too much no. at many places no. either, because the only way you're going to get a four day well, swing we'll like that is if they're open seven days. Let's talk about what kind of places you're talking about. Let's give some names here yeah, so that people so, understand what we're talking about and they sure. can reference. I mean, you're talking about, you know, your French laundries per se, Alinea's, um, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. what does a typical work week look like for somebody? who's working not necessarily as a sue but just as a as part of the team there what so does I would, it really I would look say like? so, yeah so I would say it's a little bit depending on what kind of place you're at so 11 Madison Park they do lunch so they have two different crews they have a morning crew they have a night crew they also have like you know, an extra body thing because they're open seven days a week. So you have shift in, shift out people. There's some people that are on four days or some people that are on five days and then you have management. <laughs> do you <laughs> think they're pretty much everything. Do you think those, those two, two cause I, I've always known the two teams to dislike each other and bitch. bitch it just ends up happening because yeah. it's somebody's fucking somebody's mise en place. <laughs> yeah, and you yeah. know, at certain points you're like, yeah. Hey man, did you make this? Or I need, I, I know that this it. motherfucker made that sauce. So I know I'm gonna have to make it again anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? And don't, don't, let him make the sauce. I Don't, always have to I redo it and to re throw it out. Exactly. So I, you start to get to those temple places yeah. that are open, you know, seven days a week or they're expanding to get those things and they have all the accolades in the world. It, that becomes a lifestyle yeah. very, very quickly. And the second that you start to get promoted or become any part of the management or creative team, that becomes even more of your life. Because yeah. I remember like when I worked in Chicago, I worked for the entire group. So it was like any little thing that can happen any little time, which is always, always, it could be a Monday. It could be a Tuesday. It could be Sunday at 2 AM. I remember one time I was like done and I was at home and somebody called me and they're like, Hey, you need to come back. Cause blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, it's three 30 in the my morning. Penis is in my hands. No, I'm just like, it's three 30 <laughs> in the morning. Like that's crazy. And they're like, no, but we, you have to come back. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, give me like 15 I'll be, minutes. Be I'll there. be there. And it's just, that's the kind of thing. When I took over this whole, like, I'm going to do my own auto thing coming from 
that from Alinea to then here in Seattle back again, and then seeing a lot of people complaining about how their hours are, not having the time to do this or do that, or even have a life anymore. And I'm just like, holy shit, if you knew the, how the rest of these people live. Because the funny thing is the first time someone sees a Netflix show with all these chefs, they go, fuck, that would be awesome to experience that. Would I would it? love to see would that. It? And I'm like, you have no idea how many hours you're going to put into how that, how much that shit takes to do. And there's just two different mindsets. It's like you have to make a decision on it if you want to be a line cook or a cook or if you want to be a chef to then own shit and run shit. And then you need to make a decision if you want to, from there, that's second stage. Third stage is I want to be, I want to own this motherfucker. Because yeah. then that's the, that's the last little third key, you know, that you're getting. And you're like, I'm going to own this shit and I'm going to cook all the food and I'm going to do all this stuff. It's a whole different ballgame. I don't think a lot of people understand how much time and work actually goes into owning and operating a restaurant. It's insane. Well, and especially when you're talking at the level we're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. Because I I think that Seattle is a market and the restaurant industry is actually kind of soft. I don't think you could create that kind of atmosphere in Seattle with the people that are here. You can't. Yeah, you can't. They I mean, all leave here. Look, I'll be honest, man. When I came, when I came back over here, and I was running stuff for for that one group here, I I brought a bunch of people from Chicago because I knew there was nobody that was here at the time that was going to be able to help me you do could, this. You caught a lot of shit for that. I though, caught dude, a lot yeah. of shit from it, and you know I, I remember get, hearing about that shit. And I don't honestly, and I don't. Like, I didn't even know Eric back then. And I'll, I'll be honest, You're like this motherfucker. Yeah, and I'll be honest, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I do not give a fuck because honestly, I was fucking right, and I still am right. It's like I. So we talked. We went down. A single thread down in California, and they just got their third Michelin star. This guy was pulling from Meadowood and Saison and all these other restaurants, temple restaurants, all throughout San Francisco, and he was doing the same thing. He was like, These people have this vibe that I know will help me get to what I want. And so I had to like do that same thing, you know, for that group and go, If realistically, if you guys are going to spend $25 million, all the way across this entire year, you're going to have to like support that with something. And the pool here isn't going to help you do that. So you're going to need to recruit and you're going to need to recruit from out of this pool. And that's the way it happens. I knew that, that I would max myself out in Seattle very, very quickly. And I did. So that's why I left. And that's why I went to Chicago. How did you find those people? That were willing to I was put working in the time, with them. you know, I was working with some of them and I, yeah. and I was talking to some of them, you know, kind of while I was there, I wasn't working in that company to like take anyone. But when I was ready to leave, I was like, Hey, you know, I know that you were living in the Northwest. Hey, I know that you want something bigger than you can even have right here. How about you come work with me? Or how about we work on this project together? You know, and some of it worked, some of it didn't, but that's just kind of how life goes. But you know, assessing talent, I see a lot of people now, I had this guy come in and he works at a restaurant. I'm not going to name that one either. Yeah. Um, and he he's he's a Puerto Rican kid. He's 23 years old. And he goes, I've worked at Blue, uh, Blue Hill and I worked there and then I worked at uh, another restaurant. And I'm like, God damn, why the fuck did you move out here? And he goes, well, I wanted to work for this other guy and see how he does stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but you're talking like two, three star Michelin restaurants. And he was working at them all. Yeah. And now you're talking about like an area that doesn't even have that. It was like, why, why are you doing this? And he's like, I just wanted to see. I wanted to see how this more casual kind of restaurant West Coast stuff works. And I'm like, I mean, I get that being 23, but don't stay here too long. And I flat out told him that. I was like, you need to keep going at this age. You need to like, you need to go down to San Francisco. You need to go to, I was like, the best thing you can ever do is take a trip to Japan. You know, you need to go to around Spain. You need to go here. You need to go there. I know another person who reached out to me in the last couple weeks and he's like, I work at this three-star Michelin restaurant and I'm going to leave. And I know I shouldn't do that, but where do you think I should go? And I'm like, A, B, C, D, go here. 
that's going to help you next in your career. A lot of the conversations you can have with a lot of other line cooks here in the city is I don't like this place because I have either you don't give me Friday off. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I mean, I, when I, I, I think that happens in Chicago and everywhere else, but it's a lot of stuff that I see when I have conversations with people who are interviewing with me and they're like, I want to work for you. And I'm like, I don't I really understand. You, th- I don't really think you understand what you're, I, you know, you want to do with me, but it's not the typical line cook shit. Well, here, I mean, here's the difference with that though, is that when I was younger, I was proud to be the person that was called upon to work the very long hours right? and to be there on Fridays and Saturday nights. You know, you were a squad. Right. It was mean that you mean meant that your chef trusted you and knew you could get shit done and you were willing to put in the time um, and effort to right. make his vision happen. Totally. Uh, nowadays, kind of when I as I got older and stuff like that and I started working with some younger kids, I won't call any of them out, but and some of them are now their execs now. Yeah. Um. But I remember when they first came in, they were out of culinary school or whatever. They were ready to fucking go. Can I get cut? I don't want to be here. That's the craziest. I'm tired. And and I would say, you just fucking spent all this, or your parents did or whatever, yeah. spent all this money to go to culinary school, and now you don't want to cook, you don't want to be here, you should fucking be the one here early and fucking yeah. leaving well, last so to learn. Let, let me ask you something mm-hmm. that I'm curious about, because I remember, I think it was David Chang was in an interview, and he said... Uh, the problem with changing the restaurant industry is that you cannot achieve the level of service, food, and perfection that we need to meet these expectations if you're not working 80 hours a week. Yeah. So how true is that? Is it a... Is it a skills issue or is it the the effort issue? It's a it's an effort. The skills doesn't matter. Anybody can learn the skills of being a chef. Um, but no, it's it's very different. It's it's the repetition of it. I've seen cooks who in their first year are trash, but they give a shit and they want to yeah, get better and they definitely. do their thing and they repetition over time and over time and over time. They start and then something clicks on them and they end up being like the best person in the kitchen and that's fucking cool yeah. because everybody has their own set of skills. And when I first started, I wasn't a good cook, you know, meaning like in a restaurant kitchen, but I knew how to make food taste good. So that was one of my things. And I know how to run business. I know how to do all these other things that were aside from just being a chef or, you know, a professional cook. Those things ended up helping me out to give me a better picture all around of who I can be here, um, which made it easier for me to to then go, okay, I know how to own a restaurant because I knew how to own a business before. Um, But teaching people who say the first thing in an interview when you talk to them is I want to be a chef one day. The behind that answer is what kind of chef? What kind of thing? What do you really want to do? And then they can go, well, I don't know. And then it's like, okay, so, you know. Many oh, different kinds of chefs. Sure, there are. Yeah. And you were talking, or, you know, we were talking uh, before the show about people who do corporate stuff and how restaurant chefs kind of shit on that. Or if somebody who does a hotel or, yeah. you know, a compass group type thing for a big corporation. Those people are needed too. They're very much needed. And, you know, I was at, we went to the Emerald Queen Casino the other night and this guy was like, with like seven or eight cooks in the one restaurant there, the guy was running the thing like a fucking ship, dude. And it was fucking spectacular to watch. And I'm like, they're not doing any special crazy food, but they were organized and they were yeah. killing it, dude. And they were like full dining room the entire time they were there. It's all little one crazy little bites and all these kinds of things. And I was like, that guy, I w- I'll take that guy in a heartbeat and I'll take his whole crew in a heartbeat and we'll do what, you know, what, what I'm doing. Well oiled machine. And it doesn't fucking matter. I mean, you can tell that they were yeah. doing, they were organized. Cook- any kind they of were, food. They weren't being asked to do crazy shit, yeah. but it doesn't need to be, mm-hmm. you know, so it's not even trying to shit on anyone like that. But then, you know, you, you, 
juggle in the lifestyle stuff. You know, somebody has a kid, uh, planned or unplanned, and then you're going like, "Fuck, who's who's asking for them for the more time?" Yeah. You know, is it their girlfriend or whoever is like, "Hey, you need to be home more." Well, that's kind of impossible to work at these big flagship style restaurants and go. I work today from 11 a.m. to 3 a.m. because you're not going to see anyone. You're not going to see your kid. You're not going to see your family. You're not going to see this. So then you got to prioritize again what kind of chef you want to be. Yeah. Is it the world class crazy type of person? Is it the one that wants to innovate, do all this crazy shit or whatever? Does it be the one that's going to own and chef and whatever? Or is it one that finally gets all that and then just goes, okay, cool, I've made it, then pieces out? Yeah. Well, I mean, we've seen, I mean, my friends, we've seen people with real talent, really, really, really good chefs that something happened in their life and they just couldn't follow that path. Right. You know, they have a lot of talent and they have a lot of skill, but they didn't have the time to dedicate to sure. what what was really needed. Yeah. Um, and that's what separated the boys from the men. But at the same time, it's, is, here's, here's what my, my question to you is, is it, is at the end of the day, you have to, it's a job yeah, and you have to be able to pay your bills. Right. And when you're not getting paid shit to right. work in some of these places, right. but they tell you like, you know, it's, it's a lot of chefs have said like, you know, when they put you on, um, when you're not getting paid hourly anymore mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you're, and you're like a sous chef or something. Yeah. yeah. And your hourly cooks, your line cooks They're are making, more, making than more money right. than you. And you were there busting your fucking right. ass at the end of the day. And you can't even pay your bills. Right. At the end of the day, I mean, what are you supposed to do? It was for me because at, at the time when I was working, you know, this was before anybody had any rules about minimum wage. I think it was like nine seventy five an hour yeah. or something like that, or even less than that. Yeah. Um, you know, I became a sous chef and it was like, I think it's 28,000 a year was what I got paid. Um, and so I was like, okay, cool. It was a bigger picture thing for me. I was like, I just have to put in the hours and I have to do the repetition and I have to manage this line of people before I can prove that I can manage the restaurant food coming out of here. Then I need to next stage it and think about what do I need to do to get into the dining room and start to mess with front of house? What do I need to do to get to the guest finally from a chef's perspective and then go to them and go, hi, I'm Eric. Yeah, no, no, Chef Chef isn't here. <laughs> chef Chef? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm the chef right I'm now. I'm sous chef, but, you know, Chef Chef is at home. You know, <laughs> he's, he, he knows I'm here, so we're cool. Um, but I just wanted to, you know, I see you coming all the time. Like, here's here's a little special I made That's for sad. you, and here's the thing. I see you, you know, Chef said you're- Very okay, personable. You have to be that way. Not, you have to be that way. But not a lot of chefs are like you, though. But that was the bigger picture thing. That was me role-playing into being a restaurant chef. When chef would leave for the night and go home you and he had his kids, I was like, I got you, man. And I was pushing <laughs> him out of the restaurant. I was literally pushing him out of the restaurant as a sous chef. I was like, go I got home. this. You, I got this. Like, you have kids or like babies. You uh, need to go. Like, go spend time with them. And I was like, he, he's like I'm going to go you. do this. And I'm going to, no, 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 no. I'm going to order that shit. Give me that shit. Give me that shit. And he's just like, fuck, Eric. Fine. I'll take it. Yeah. So then he would leave. And then I'd be like, I'd already have my mise en place for my specials for the night. <laughs> and I was literally approaching VIPs that he would mark or whoever. And I'd go to their tables and I'd be like, hey, hi. I'm Eric, I, you know, lines and shits, and I know it. I know it. I know it. I can see it through a fucking window, and I'm like, hey, guys, I'll be right back. I need two seconds. I'll be right fucking back. Fire this, fire this, fire this, fire yeah. this, and I'm running out with my little one-bite cold thing. I just want to introduce myself. I'm Eric. Yeah, chef, he said to say hi. You know, he told me you guys are VIP. You're the most important people. So fucking stoked you guys are here. Here's a dish I made for you guys with, obviously, with chef's permission. Sometimes no, it wasn't, no, no. <laughs> but it was just to get a reaction. Better be good. And see them eat it and go, this is yeah, really good. Right? Awesome. We have yeah. a lot more in store. We'll be yeah. back. And then we'd hit them. At the, we'd, you know, bookend them. 
you know, have have the one bite and then have the dessert thing on the end. So I just kind of fuck around with desserts. But it was all about like, how can I get to that next thing? So when they said, you know, we're going to make you sous chef, you're going to probably work 80 hours, 100 hours a week and we're going to pay $28,000 a year. I was like, that's fine. I get to, I'm a sous chef now. (laughs) And then I was like, okay, cool. So then it was like working at the next place and it was like, okay, cool. Now you're an executive chef. Now you're this, now you're this, now you're this. And I was always like to going like, I'm going to get this fucking shit. I'm going to take this fucking shit. And if anybody gets in my fucking way, I'm going to push it out of my fucking way. So basically what you're trying to say is, uh, we had a guest on one of the shows last night. It was talking about, um, you know, ha- having an, a, an attack plan. Yeah. Having a game plan. From day one. And understanding that um, just, you know, one step is you got to look at the yeah. next five steps. Dude, it, it, you don't go to climb a mountain and then go, you know, this first 1,000 feet is going to be pretty rough. You got to look at the whole fucking thing. And then not <laughs> yeah. only that, not only do you got to climb the fucking thing, you got to come back down. I can take that into a kitchen setting and go, okay, cool. Somebody can come in and watch me when they're when I'm doing like a tasting menu that cooks at home 99% of the time, or isn't even a professional chef. They're going to be like, this motherfucker put all of this stuff out. And so-and-so, our 20-course tasting menu right now, the first time we did it, uh, the new menu um, on Saturday, our, our, we were in and out uh, an hour and 35 minutes with Ooh. pairings. Ooh, flying, flying. And it didn't have all the everything that I wanted to the flavors were all on point. Everything's where I needed to be. The detail work wasn't there. So now I go, okay, now I have a little bit more time to kind of whatever. It's not cheating the guests out of experience. I'm, I'm challenging myself. I'm challenging the food and I'm challenging what's going on within the restaurant to go, how can we do this now? Well, what do you say? What do you say to people though, how to recognize when they're being taken advantage of, you know, if they're at a place where they think some people walk into a restaurant and and think that they're, they're working at some great place and they're working for this great chef and they don't know any better they're not going there that well they don't know no 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 if they think they are they're not yeah there's another chef out there there's another restaurant out there nobody's always number one but they (laughs) they, but a lot of them they want to stick with it they want to put in the hours and and they get taken advantage of you know how what's some ways that they can recognize the red flags yeah when to jump ship so here's the red flags number one if you go talk to them and say hey listen i i've been working for you really hard i've been doing my 80 100 hour weeks you know realistically you do your own due diligence and go, how much am I getting paid to, compared to other people? I mean, a lot of these cooks and stuff and chefs probably hang out and they probably work talk. at other restaurants yeah. and they probably talk, hey man, how much are you making? How much are you making? Okay, cool. If you are way underneath everybody else, then you need to take that to whoever you're working for and go, hey man, I feel like I'm getting underpaid. That's number one. If you're getting vastly underpaid, speak up. Fuck that shit. Get the fuck out of there. You're, you can go work anywhere um, that will take you, obviously, yeah. that can afford you or whatever else. And it doesn't need to be just going like, oh, I need to go work at a resort hotel that's going to pay me X amount of dollars. That's also kind of different. It's a different monster. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing. Number two, when they depend on you way too much and they word salad you, meaning you're so great and amazing and you're such oh, a... And if you weren't here, you'd yeah. be... <laughs> fuck that. That's another red flag. Because That's I'll a tell huge you, red flag. Because I'll tell you what, what they're waiting on is for to get you up and rolling so they can take their chef vacations, their trips, their whatever, they're piecing out. So if you have a restaurant 
and the busiest times in your restaurant, your Friday, Saturday nights are there and your leading chefs are not there. You need to fucking leave immediately. Immediately. If your chef is not there at the busiest times of your restaurant all the way through service, you get the fuck out. It took me a while to learn that. Right. And it was was talking with uh, Pierce that worked at other restaurants and we're going, wait, wait a second. You're... Your exec doesn't dip out early, like right in the middle of service and leave on weekends. All right, guys, bye. I got to go. Yeah, you guys got this. Good job, guys. Yeah. Or, you know, or you they know, say so they're Make in, sure you get this done by tomorrow. Yeah. Right, or they say they're in like meetings Monday through Ugh. Friday, and they're in those meetings for a long time, and I'm like, well, you need to bust those meetings a little bit later, or you just need to not even talk about them, because everybody who's here that's paying to have your fucking food is either in the dining room and in the yeah. kitchen, and if you're not any way around, it's, it's not okay. So that's a, that's number two red flag. Uh, number three red flag is look who you're really working for and what they have available. Because I'm going to be honest, you know, if you really want to make it in this industry and really go for it, you're going to max yourself out in six months yeah. at any restaurant. It's just going to happen. You're going to know what's going on. You're going to have an idea what the deal is. You're going to see enough stuff. You say six months, not a year? Six months. I usually say uh, it I'm takes six months. A year. Honestly, man, I can walk in in a month. I can walk in, in probably a fucking couple days now things because I've change, seen enough. It, things really don't change because yeah. if you have other people in front of you, you got to realistically yeah. ask yourself, okay, here's a good example. So when I was in between my time from working in a restaurant here and I was like, you know, I was like a sous chef and stuff. And I started, I, was, I got to that point where I was like, I don't know what I should be doing now, but I feel like I've maxed myself out. I hung out for like a year and a half as the guy's sous chef and I did my thing. And then I had a friend that was like, Hey man, you need to like, this wasn't your plan. You need to go bigger than this. Like you, you told me to tell you this. And I'm like, you're fucking right. So I went to this other restaurant that was doing tasting menus here in the city. Went to two of them. One of them, they were just like, you're a little too crazy for what we need here. <laughs> they were right. I mean, at least they were up front. They were they, absolutely you know, right. They're like, you're you're not them. you're not what we need here. And I'm yeah. like, awesome. That other one was, okay, we're gonna hire you here, but we need like a year-long commitment from you. Well, you Guess what that is? That. Yeah. That's a fucking red flag. Yeah, you told me about um, that. and so then at that point, there's another thing involved with that too. It's not only was they needed a year-long commitment, the owner his girlfriend was the sous chef. Uh, yeah. So what the fuck am I supposed to do if I want to be sous chef? I can't take his girlfriend out. I can't go above and beyond that. I have to wait. I have to wait until we open another restaurant, which was at the time like a couple of years out for yeah. them. So for two years, I got to be like gray area. And I'm like, two red flags here. Absolutely not. They're like, you, you, why don't you want to commit to us for a year? And I'm like, because you can fire me anytime you want. Yeah. And I'm fucked. But then if I leave, I'm the asshole. <laughs> like, that's fucking stupid. And there's nothing. There's no contract. There's no nothing. There's no extra, like, anything. They are They are doing. I've heard of people doing contracts Okay, nowadays, here's though. the last one. Signing an NDA yeah. or signing a non-compete. <laughs> if anybody wants to stuff. have you sign a non-compete yeah. or an NDA, you one. can tell them to go fuck themselves. As an executive chef, I worked in a restaurant here and they wanted me to sign one of those. That's saying any recipe or anything yep. that I created during the I've entire seen, time was their those. property. I've seen those. I didn't sign anything, anything. And I told them, you know what I said? I gave them the packet back. The first page didn't have a signature. They go, hey. Did you sign it? I was like, yeah, I signed it. I never signed it. And they never looked. They never fucking looked. Because that's, so that's on them. So fuck them. So the day that uh, they fired me, um, <laughs> <laughs> this was like, like nine months later or something like that. We were just going back and forth and I was going ham with them. Uh, they go, you need to turn in all of your recipes to us. And I was like, okay, sure. They were all wrong. 
Uh, you turned in wrong. I recipes. had an A drive, which was mine, and I had a B drive, which was like all of the fucked recipes. Like thousand grams of salt goes into this, which makes it like completely inedible. You know, f- uh, a fucking cup of baking soda. I've thought about taking my shit. recipes with me. I just never, never did. I, it. No, you know what I always did. I so, felt like I was fucking over my crew. A, here's a tip for you, anybody. It's called cloud. The fucking cloud, motherfucker. Put that shit on Google Drive. Put that anywhere. Take pictures. Do all of your stuff. If it's stuff that you created, guess what? It's yours. It's not theirs. Fuck. Them. don't sign any of those fucking IP. things if you sign any fucking shit like that that's on you don't be stupid because they're not fucking paying you enough like that even if they were signing like ever working at amazon right you know the difference between me working as a cook and working at amazon that says you can't release our secrets i'm probably getting paid a few hundred thousand dollars yeah. to work there so you know at that point <laughs> okay i won't say anything i won't give you any information but if you're paying me minimum wage or something like you know 17 dollars an hour and you're saying that i can't give you chef's recipe for a hollandaise he didn't invent that shit. Yeah. That motherfucker ever heard of Escoffier? Like, <laughs> fuck this guy. He doesn't know shit. I've seen people who go, oh, I invented this recipe. And I'm like, you don't ever know about, you don't know El Bali. You don't know yeah, about, right. okay, what's up, compressed watermelon? Fuck you. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it's like, you, you, gotta, you gotta look at yourself and go, okay, how, how important is this job for me? And how, are, how important are they making it seem, too? Because is, is it... The chef here in the city, a big fish in a small fucking pond, or do they actually carry fucking weight? The one thing I said about myself here in the city is I don't want to be the big fish in a small pond. I want to be the whale in the fucking ocean. Big ass fish, big ass ocean. I don't care who I fucking run into, but you know what? If I want to go out to fucking Fiji, what you are? I'm a big whale. You're going, you're going, going to Puerto Rico. You're going to Hawaii. Yeah. That's better. It's fun. That's better than going. I made a name for myself in Seattle. There's a guy. Oh, right. Shade. Uh, I'm from here, so shade. fuck him. You know what? I'm from here, and I can say that. I'm not like the other ones that came from Florida or California <laughs> stop, stop. or fucking other places that come here and go. I'm the shit. I'm not that guy. So fuck that. I can honestly say it because I'm fucking from here. Another big thing about all this stuff is just so like. It's there's so many red flags and there's so many weird barriers about getting a job as a cook that people have created from just being like, oh, we're a cool restaurant group. And I'm like, mm, fuck you. Feisty. I know, right? <laughs> I think we're going to end it right there. <laughs> that is going to bring us to the end of episode 127 of Girl, How Long Steak, Mister? At least 12 minutes. Thank you, sir. Uh, if you want to visit us on our social medias, it's going to be Girl, How Long Steak, Mister at Instagram and Facebook. It's going to be at How Long Steak, Mister on Twitter. Uh, if you want to email us with any questions, comments, uh, you want to give Eric the smoke, uh, I will give him the access to the email address. It's all good. Uh, it's uh, Girl, can, How Long Steak, Mister. At gmail.com. Uh, he's good. I mean, he I saw an email earlier. He handled it with class and he was straight to the point. And if you send Eric the smoke, that. he will probably put some beef brisket in it and give you something tasty back. Yeah. Um, if you want to hit me up on social media, I'm gonna be at Bobby Stills on Instagram because I don't be on that uh, Facebook bullshit anymore. Um, Eric? Uh, yeah, hi. What do you uh, got? Eric Rivera Cooks out of Seattle, all ADO, Seattle, all that good stuff. He's got all sorts of stuff coming Same up. Same thing. Keith. Check out the Soundcast Network, yo. Soundcastingnetwork.com for all your, uh, I don't know, media needs. Me- media needs. For all your entertainment needs. Podcast. And life shit. Right? We'll see you guys next week. We got you. Bye. Grill. How long steak, mister? Five minutes out. Eat a dick, bitch. <laughs>